Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs who change the world. And I know this sounds like it's a ridiculous thing to say, but man, we've seen it, right? In tech specifically, your local dry cleaner is not changing the world. It's not entrepreneurship in general that's changing the world. But we have an opportunity here with what we've learned in tech to have a big impact on the world. One of the things that you might have heard me complain about is that my kid's school was closed and we've been looking for solutions. One of the things that we did was we signed him up for multiple schools. Um, just trying to see what's going to open up, what makes sense. And one of them, I guess I shouldn't say the name of the school um, in the podcast, but one of them opened up this private school and they said, look, we have a few things that we need to change before we allow kids to come in. One of them is we need you to get this thing called fever free, this app. I said, wow, this is a school that intentionally does not want kids to have technology. They want me to go and install an app. Interesting. So I go and install, I install fever free and it's pretty straightforward. All I have to do is take the thermometer that we have at home, run it across my kid's forehead to get his temperature, and then shoot a video of it on, into the app and do that every day so that the school knows what his temperature is. It turns out, I assume that that would go to his teacher so the teachers would know whether he can come in every day. It turns out it's not. There's some kind of software that's reading this thing. And this app and the software behind it was created by the entrepreneur who you're going to find out about today. His na name is Matt Riley. He is the creator of Fever Free. It's health screening and management app. I imagine that not only are schools everywhere going to be using this so they don't have those big lines in front of the school of kids waiting to get their temperatures checked, but I imagine that we're also going to start to see this um, for, for businesses. And I have to tell you, if we could just snap our fingers and get rid of COVID-19 tomorrow, I would still like it if we could be a little bit aware of some people coming into the office with fevers and kids going into school with fevers and say, you know, maybe stay home today so that the rest of the school and the rest of the office doesn't get it. So I could see the benefit beyond it. Now, Matt is an entrepreneur who's had multiple, uh, he's got a lot of experience I want to find out a little bit about his other company. Well, I guess it's still part of the same company. We Care, am I right? That's right. Okay, We Care, which helps people find the right uh, daycare program for them. He's a guy who created Alpha Draft, this incredible, what an incredible idea. Sold it pretty quickly. I want to find out about that. We can do it all thanks to two phenomenal companies. The first will host your website, right? It's called HostGator. The second will get you um, developers that you would not believe how good they are. It's called TopTal. Matt, good to see you here. Nice to see you too. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Am I imagining the vision of the company, right? That this is get into work before you walk in. We're not going to check your temperature at the door, but just check it and tell us that you're okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole purpose behind Fever Free was to help keep organizations safe and healthy. And, you know, as we started thinking about people coming into the office, or it really started as coming into our daycares we didn't want them to be bringing sickness to the daycare only to be checked and then sent home. So we thought about, well, what is the best way to do this and to, to be able to allow people to take their temperatures at home and verify that they're fever free. And, you know, the easiest way was actually at the time we care within our app had the ability to take photos and videos. And so we tweaked that technology just a little bit to rather than sending those photos and videos from daycare provider to parent to have a special type of video that gets sent to us. And then we analyze that video to make sure that the daycare at the time was fever free. And at that time, there was also no AI component. So it very much was what you had suggested. 
And, you know, now it's turned into an entire AI system that reads the temperatures and makes sure everyone is safe and healthy prior to coming to whatever organization they're a part of. I don't love the name fever free because I feel like you could do so much more. Like there's so many health checks that you could have on a person before they come in this same system. And I imagine you're going to branch out beyond your smiling. You're not taking the fence, which tells me that you probably <laughs> thought of this too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're not the first person to say that. And you're right. It fever free does pigeonhole a little bit towards, uh, towards just talking about temperatures. And that is actually, we do more than temperatures already. There are symptom screenings and, uh, processes that happen that, that are additional checks in addition to the temperature itself. So you're right. We're growing beyond the name, but we had to choose something in the beginning to get started. So yeah, that's what and it was we straight with. up. I understood exactly what they were doing when they sent it over. I got it. Okay. We're checking for fevers. We're fine. I get it. Right. By the way, here's the other advantage of doing this remotely. My kid, one of them runs hot. Some teachers will notice it and talk to me about it. Others just feel awkward. It's like, I'm telling you that there's something wrong with your kid. I can't come over and say that his temperature is hot and they just let him in. And I realize it takes away that sense of discomfort of saying to somebody, shame on you, you're not good. In addition to also letting them check at home before they come in so that they avoid the drive in, right? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the problems with doing temperature checks in person too. Unless you have a very sophisticated sort of system where people are isolated and you're doing those temperature checks, you can potentially see someone be turned away from entering in onto the premises. And that's an embarrassing thing. And it, it's definitely a breach of sensitive health information. Right, right. So this allows them to do it from the privacy of their home. And the other great thing about Fever Free is the fact that we're not tied to any one piece of hardware, meaning we're thermometer agnostic. Yeah. And so as long as it's a digital thermometer, we're able to read that temperature and verify the, the, the health of, of that person. You mentioned that this came to you because your, your preschools needed it. What's, mm. what's WeCare? Yeah, so WeCare is the largest network of in-home daycares in the United States. We have over 2,500 daycares that we service. And on one side, we're a marketplace. And so we help parents to be able to find the daycare of their dreams. On the other side of the business, we're essentially a business in a box solution for daycare providers to be able to better operate their business more efficiently. If you think about a daycare provider, it's really tough. It's not just a, a normal small business. You're taking care of children, you know, nine to 12 hours a day. And then afterwards, you still need to work on your business. And so, you know, we started WeCare to be able to help those providers to, to really have their their time back and be able to do the things that they love outside of just taking care of children. Like what, what, what do you manage for them? So we manage the communication between parent and provider. We um, take care of their billing for them. We manage enrollment. Uh, our team actually has a concierge service too, where we can take their calls for them so they're not distracted while they're working with the kids. And then we also create curriculum in-house that they can use so that we make sure that there's education happening at all of our daycares. It's not just a, a place where you take your kid and there's screen time. There's actual learning that happens because those, those years from zero to six are, are the most important in terms of development. Uh, God, you know what? When we were doing this here in San, I don't know why you guys are not in San Francisco. 
you should see the type A personalities that descend on preschools and grade schools in San Francisco. I've seen spreadsheets that are more in depth for preschools than most people will have during their whole business careers because we're talking about very tech focused people. And so where it all starts is it starts with Yelp and conversations with who knows who. It's a horrible system. I want to get more mm -hmm. insight into it. There's no pictures. There's no understanding of the philosophy. Yelp is more about reviews than it is about understanding what's going on in the, in the program. They're not made for this. They're made for telling you whether the local pizza joint and bar are worth going to, right? Right, right. Why aren't you in San Francisco, by the way? Oh, uh, we are in San Francisco. You are? We have, yeah, we have quite a few daycares that are up in San Francisco. I had no idea. I went to, I thought I went to the phone and didn't, you know what? I see it. You're absolutely right. Here, a couple right here. Still not enough, but I get it. So this one here is called Sun Up We Care. Does that mean that you guys own the school? No, we don't own the school. We are partners with them in operations. So we help them to be able to drive children, uh, in, drive enrollment into the daycare and to maintain the relationship, handle all the building, like I had mentioned. Uh, and that's a partnership with them. Some of them choose to use the WeCare name. Others choose not to use the WeCare name. And I think that the real benefit is the benefit of the, the network itself. When you say WeCare now, you know that there is a company that's behind the provider and it's not just them operating on their own. And so we help them to be able to do everything that they already do and, you know, in many cases, be able to do it more efficiently and effective so that their focus is the children. It's not the operation of the business. And you also will do like day drop-ins. We've gone to different countries where I could see my kids are tired of being dragged around and we'll talk to friends who've been in the country. Do you know of a day's care? Can we drop them off? With WeCare, we can just go to the site and find a local place, say we want to do a drop-off at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, see what's available, right, and schedule the whole thing. That's right. So most of our daycares are more focused on full-time, uh, especially now as the pandemic hit because they, they're not – excited about having a bunch of random people come into the daycare. Mm, right. But yeah, you are able to figure out drop in and be able to, to essentially schedule and plan your, your childcare, um, you know, a week before you need it. All right. Let me understand how you got here. The first big company that you launched was alpha draft. And the idea was, um, it's like fantasy football for esports. Am I right? Yeah, that, that's right. What'd you come up with the idea for it? Um, so actually I was one of the co-founders and my co-founder Todd Peterson was incredibly into fantasy football and was a huge League of Legends nerd. And uh, so, you know, he, both of these things were blowing up simultaneously. You had FanDuel and DraftKings that had raised exorbitant amounts of money. And then at the same time you had esports, which was getting a greater viewership than a lot of pro pro sports. And so you know, we looked at those two industries and we said, is there a possibility to take this model that's working on the traditional stick and ball sports side and apply it to the the esports and gaming side? And <clears throat> given the structure of League of Legends at the time, I mean, they had a schedule, they had teams, they had coaches, they had uh, official scoring and stats that could be used. And because of all those things, it made it the perfect environment for us to be able to uh, we like to say like address the other side of the playground. Um, so I get it. There are a lot of people who can't relate to football, but man, they're really into league of legends. 
Did you read that book, Billion Dollar Fantasy? Do you know no, about I it? No, I haven't read it, no. Uh, we were supposed to have on one of the founders of uh, DraftKings, and she was a little hesitant, and she finally just said, I can't do it. But she recommended I read the book. It is such a well-written book. If you like Ben Mesrick, is that his name? The guy who did uh, Breaking, Bringing Down the House? It's in mm -hmm. that style about these two companies that just started out with a little grain of an idea, hit on fantasy sports, and basically created legalized gambling in the US and took it into multi-million dollar jackpots. And people were essentially betting on sports in a, an environment where you're not supposed to bet on sports and in a more fun way with much mm -hmm. bigger payouts than if you just bet on, on, on even the Super Bowl. It seems like you guys were basically picking up on that too, right? Gambling, but at the time yeah. it was considered okay. Yeah, so uh, at the time, it, it, it still is considered a game of skill. So it was never actually considered gambling. Although, you know, uh, as you may know, a few, it was actually a, a few weeks after we ended up selling AlphaDraft to FanDuel, the entire industry fell apart because there was a DraftKings leak and that put this concept of a game of skill into a new light and there was you know a uh, a ton of regulation that came down on the industry and, and basically grinded it to a halt for almost two years you mean where where employees of one company were betting on games at the other company using inside information essentially or no essentially yeah yeah okay so you guys so just before that happened when you, weeks, weeks before it's unreal. Um, at your height, what was the biggest payoff? What's the biggest contest uh, that you had? Oh, I think we were running probably $10,000, $20,000 contests at the time. Okay. How much did you yeah. raise? Uh, we'd raise about five and a half million dollars. Yeah. How much did you sell for? Uh, I'm not sure what I'm able to go into as far as the the legal details, but um, yeah, there was a there was a positive financial outcome. Did you end up with more than a million dollars for yourself from that? Um, I don't know how much I can say there. Okay. All right. Why did you guys sell when you sold? Why didn't you say we can beat these guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were flooding the airways, right? I guess. Yeah, they had tons yeah. of money flooding the airways. They they were just commercial, commercial, commercial. All right, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, both companies separately at the time had to raise over six hundred million dollars. So we knew from the very beginning that there wasn't going to be a way that we could really compete with them if they decided to get into the space. And so our approach was a little bit different. Um, we were fortunate enough to have met uh, at the time the head of marketing at FanDuel when we first started the company. Literally, our first day uh, at Amplify, which was our uh, is one of our investors and is an accelerator. I happened to be speaking about what Alpha Draft was in the kitchen, and someone parked up on the side and said, "Wait, did you say FanDuel? Oh yeah, I'm the CMO of FanDuel." <laughs> and so. Our approach was to be as open and transparent with them as we possibly could to to learn from them, you know, bring them on as advisors. And, you know, they didn't really understand the esports space. And so for, for them, we were this test vehicle to even seeing how much opportunity there was. And given the growth that we should that we were able to show over a very short amount of time, I mean, from the day that it launched 
to the day that it sold, it was a nine month period of time. Uh, they saw massive growth. And because of that and that transparency, I think that is ultimately what led to the positive outcome. Yeah, because they were really into sports. Their office was full of sports memorabilia, right? The founders were sports nuts. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, DraftKings, I think they were Europeans. They weren't really into football, which was the major sport for this, right? They, it's doubtful that they were super enthusiastic about sports, though they love the business, right? I don't know about their their love for sports. I mean, I think if you talk to any of those guys, they're they're all pretty they're all big sports nuts. Um, but I never had the chance to meet. You know, um, you didn't. I thought the I thought you had an opportunity to sell to DraftKings, fa, uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, or even Yahoo, uh, which had a big fantasy sports. No, I'm looking at your face. Um, it's like. It's my my face is more uh, more around the information that uh, that we're talking about, but yeah, we had opportunities and we're we're speaking closely with both of those organizations. Okay, can you say if Yahoo was in the bidding at all? It doesn't. Frankly, if you can't, it's fine. It doesn't make a big difference. But I'm curious about why Yahoo never made it in. No, they were not. All right. I think at the time they were relatively nascent, and okay. so it, you know. They just weren't, they weren't a player at the table. No, they were into, they were into fantasy, I think for years and years. They just never got into the, the, the big daily. money one, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the daily, right. That was the big thing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right. You sold the company. What'd you do afterwards? I mean, for fun, so, did you take a break? Did you do anything like that before we get into what you did work-wise? Yeah. I mean, I took a little break. I traveled for a little bit, but, um, you know, ultimately I wanted to get back into the tech space. I... <clears throat> I hadn't had a ton of experience prior to that working with a lot of companies. Um, and what I mean by that is being in the company as, as, uh, as an employee of the company prior, I worked as an online marketing consultant for about five years and had the opportunity to work with a ton of incredible companies and learn from their businesses, uh, learn from the leaders of the businesses. But I was always spread incredibly thin and you know, you can only go so deep. And so after alpha draft, I really wanted to dive into, uh, you know, other businesses and, and learn. So you ended up at Radpad, which is a site where I can go find a, a home. You then went on to honey, which gives people, what does honey do? If I, if it, it encourages me to install their Chrome plugin so that I could get what, not cash back, but points when I buy, when I shop, what is it? Well, it's really, uh, so you can find the best deal. So honey aggregates ah. all of the discount codes and automatically applies those coupon codes at checkout. So they're essentially doing the work for you of when you're at checkout and you're like, Oh, is there a discount? And then you have to go to retail me not. And then you go over here right. and, and all of the do. coupon codes never work. And so they aggregate and source those codes and automatically test them. You know what? I do do that. You know what I should do? Do they, but I'm an iPad person. So these things never work for me. Let me see. Do they have an iOS app? I bet they do. Should do they that. do have an app, but it's not as great as their, oh, as their yeah, browser the extension. Killer. Yeah. All right. So then what did you learn by working at those companies? So... I mean, I, I learned a lot of different things. When when I got to Radpad, it was towards the tail end. And the focus at Radpad was really around uh, customer retention. If you think about um, you know finding a, a place to live, it, that happens only every 18 to 24 months. And so 
you know, we couldn't really afford to keep buying customers and there wasn't really a financial model that supported that. So the focus there was really on organic growth. Um, and so that was where I focused most of my time was on SEO and, and, uh, and then also more guerrilla sort of tactics like yard signs and things like that. Yard um, signs? What did you do with yard signs? <clears throat> I mean, we had teams that would place yard signs all over the city um, and they were these big yellow yard signs. And so they would catch your attention and you're walking through a neighborhood and you see this yellow yard sign that says, hey, this, this house is on Radpad. And so that was where we got a ton of growth. And we've actually used a lot of those techniques with WeCare too. For all of our providers, we send them signs. And it's basically like a local billboard. And so, you know, that was one of the, that was one of the big things that, um, I took from, from Radpad was focusing Radpad, on organic unpaid growth. Did they put those signs even on buildings that weren't on Radpad or were all buildings on Radpad? Had they, would they know where to put it? There may have been some of that. Okay. Got it. All right. <laughs> you know what? I was, I felt like having looked at your background, what does this guy need to go work at a company and learn? He's known so much. We're going to get into what you knew even before you got started in a moment. First, let me tell everyone who's listening to me. If you're looking to start a business, the first thing you need is a website. Well, I recommend that you just install WordPress. It just works. It's on a, about a third of all websites out there are using uh, WordPress. And frankly, a lot of people who are, Matt, you might've noticed this. Are you a podcast listener like I am? I am. I've been listening to Mixergy for about 10 years. Dude, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. One of the things that you might notice when you're listening to these other people who, who are doing podcasts is they have these website builder ads and sure they have this side business that's hosted on the website builder, but really their main business is, Word, is WordPress based because they want the full flexibility to expand it as they want, to adjust it as they want, to move it away from their hosting company if they want. All those benefits come to you when you're hosted on uh, WordPress. Well, if you're going to host on WordPress, I highly recommend you host with HostGator. And the reason for that is they have loads of different plans. Yes, I'm going to promote the cheapest one, the least expensive. No one should say cheap, right, Matt? The least expensive plan. It will work well for you. It'll get you started. It'll let you do even, uh, even their, their cheaper plans, their less expensive plans will let you host unlimited domains, but they'll grow with you. They have everything that the competition has as far as WordPress hosting. They have, they just don't put that forward. They say, look, let's get started in an inexpensive way. And then as you grow, we'll give you more offerings and they're always going to be cheaper than the competition. If you want to get started, oh, I, can't, I keep saying cheaper. One, one thing I noticed, Matt, is entrepreneurs hate when I say fail and they hate when I say cheaper. You can see it like in their eyes, they feel uncomfortable. So sorry, I shouldn't say cheaper, less expensive, really good price, good value. Go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy and it will cost even less not cheaper, less than their already low prices. Go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy and get started today. We're hosted on HostGator at Mixergy. Um, when do you listen to podcasts? I've been listening a lot. We'll get into, into your business in a minute. I listen every day. Uh, yeah. yeah, when I wake up in the morning, I'll throw something on while I'm in the shower, try to catch up on the news or catch up on a business podcast. At night when I'm trying to go to bed, I'm constantly consuming information. Um, I don't really find that much time to be able to read uh, as often as I'd like to. And so because I'm constantly, you know, moving and doing different things. And so podcasts are the way that I consume information. 
You're an entrepreneur at heart is why I was saying before, it didn't feel like you needed to learn anything. First of all, you had a good business, right? You went through the whole process of selling a business, which must have demystified it for you when you went through it um, with Alpha Draft. And second, you're a guy who's like an entrepreneur at heart. Was it a college that you started your first business and then got hooked on entrepreneurship? Yeah. In, in college, I uh, started Grubhub before there was Grubhub. What it was like? basic. Oh man, it was it was terrible because I actually, you know, I learned to code at the same time. I had a friend who started a similar business at another college, which was basically, um, you know, showing food specials, drink specials, menus, coupons, those sort of things. And he was using a franchise sort of business and I couldn't afford to pay $10,000 for this franchise fee. And so I locked myself in the library. I learned how to code and I built the first business. And then after the website itself was built, then I had to learn how to do the marketing. I had to learn how to put a team together. And that business was not a wild success. I probably ended up making 10 grand from the business. But at the same time, I had the opportunity to learn every different piece of it. And that's that's where I got the bug. And since then, I have not been able to stop. Was it hard then for you to go and work for someone else when you knew that you had entrepreneurship in you? Were you thinking, am I, I'm being too much of a chicken. I should go start my own business. Why am I not just launching another thing and another thing? No, I mean, I think one of the most important things about being an entrepreneur is being able to say that you don't know something. Uh, and there's often times where you can learn from other people and assuming that you're surrounding yourself with the right people or putting yourself in situations where you're able to learn something different, then I think that that's incredibly valuable. For instance, we, I didn't really have a ton of experience marketing a mobile app. And so Radpad gave me an opportunity to do that. And so I think that you, you don't always have everything at your fingertips to get the experience that you need that you, or that you want to set you up for the future that you see for yourself. And so, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of reason to go and learn from, from someone else who, or, or learn from an opportunity that can give you that experience. That site that you launched was called the Dub Grub? The Dub Grub. And it had nothing to do with Grubhub, right? You didn't, you weren't trying no. to copy their name at all. No, no. So Wilmington is called the dub. Mm. And so it was the dub grub. And that's why you had like the dub style marketing agency at one point. Is that a mm -hmm. thing that you also did in college? Yeah, you've done your research. <laughs> I'm not, my face isn't blushing at all. <laughs> I, I would be proud of this. I'm actually, from everything I'm seeing, it's, it's impressive how far you got with that at a time when it just wasn't working. I think, um, I mean, at a time when people weren't looking for this stuff, I remember um, uh, the founders of Reddit started with something similar too. They had this idea for mobile food ordering and they were told by Y Combinator, this is just not going to work. And they gave it up and moved on to Reddit. So you jumped in at a time when it didn't make sense and you got pretty far with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing, the thing that I learned the most about that business was building myself out of the business, not necessarily building myself in. So what I mean by that is everything was dependent on me. I knew the code base. I knew how everything worked. I had the relationships with a lot of the, the restaurants. And so when I graduated college, it was either stay mm. and keep working on this or go. I, had the, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go to grad school. And 
So I essentially had to just leave that business as it was. And, you know, looking back on it, I would have focused more on building myself, building systems that, that pulled my knowledge base out into a more open source area or a place where someone could take it over for me. And so what are you doing now to do that, to systemize it that way? To systemize we care and yeah, and And alpha drive or and fever free. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, you know, everything that we do is creating systems. I feel like we we run our business very much like a Series B, Series C company. Everything starts with an idea, and then and testing out ideas, and then creating. Once we prove those ideas, then we're creating systems. Uh, and and structure where someone else can take that over. So um, you know, I, I think it really is the the focus on developing procedures around each and everything that you do. And if you let that get too far away from you, meaning that you don't do that from the very beginning, then it's hard to go back and start doing those things. And so we early on knew that this was a business that we thought could really scale. And so. Uh, you know, we operated it like a larger company from day one. The business started because of a coworker of yours at Radpad, right? Jessica mm-hmm. Chang. That's what was right. She what what did she do that led you to start this? Well, so Je- Jessica and I worked at uh, at Radpad, and she was on the <clears throat> she was on the supply side of the marketplace, and I was on the demand side of the marketplace. She was and working with had, apartments that needed tenants. You were working on finding tenants to come to the platform. Got it exactly. And so during that time, Jessica got pregnant, and so I watched her go through this process of trying to find childcare, and then once you found a child care, seeing how expensive it was and seeing the long wait lists and yeah. the, the quality of the education at some of these places. And so, you know, I watched her struggle through that. And Jessica is very business minded and comes from a finance background. And she ended up, you know, seeing that there was a massive problem within this space and she wanted to learn more. And her solution to learning more was acquiring a preschool. Dude, and so you so said that. She, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. This just is freaking mind blowing. Because on the one hand, it just shows me how incredible people who are in our world are, that they just go in and they buy a business that they know nothing about. On the other hand, it just seems freaking crazy because childcare is so tough. It's so full of full of issues people issues but also taking care of kid issues and legal issues and she's willing to buy one of these places and take all that on well you know i think there was a couple steps in between her uh you know seeing the issues and buying it a lot of what she did was trying to understand what was going on why these businesses weren't operating at their full potential i mean we hear that there's a childcare deficit for every, for every one child or for every six children that are looking for care, there's only one space that's available. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to understand the why behind that. And so a lot of that was really the evaluation of these preschools to see, are they, is there an opportunity there? And through doing that, she started to identify what are the issues that they're having. And a lot of them were around marketing and communication Mm -hmm. um, and those sort of things. And so that's where she saw that there was an opportunity. 
but you know, buying and selling preschools, there's only so many distressed preschools that are out there right now because there's so, so much of a need. Yeah. And so I, I gotta you know, tell we, you, I, my wife, I guess I did too. We've written um, letters of recommendation for freaking three-year-olds to our school. I swear. We got one in. We were heroes. It's unreal. We paid while my kid was in the womb. There was an opening at the preschool. I paid for the womb baby to go mm -hmm. to school, knowing that there's no way the womb baby could go to school even in the first few months. But I needed to hold on to that space. There was that kind of a deficit. You know, it's funny that you say that there was actually a bug in our system when we first started, when you were trying to sign up to get childcare, you had to put a date of birth. Uh -huh. And a lot of the people who are looking for care, their children are not born yet. And so there was a, a you know, it was a small bug. And That's pretty fix, common, but actually. But it was just funny. A lot of applications have that because <laughs> you have to apply two years before the baby's born. You're sucking yeah. if you wait till the baby's born. <laughs> That's right. What'd you end up doing Yeah, you're, you're behind the ball. Yeah. I mean, seriously, people will shame you. Like, what's wrong with you? Don't you care about your kid? Yeah, I mean, that that was actually part of Jessica's pitch as we started to go out is like, you know, she didn't even know the sex of her baby. And her friends were like, wait, you don't have childcare set up? And she's right. like, I, I, don't, I don't even know if it's a boy or a girl. Wow. So she decides she's going to buy the school. What? All right. How, how many students in the school? I mean, what, are we talking uh, dozens? No, I think we're talking even like 200 children. Whoa, we, okay. All right. Yeah. In some ways I'd rather have that. Most of these preschools are basically in somebody's house, right? Yeah. So this was center-based, not home-based. Okay. So she buys this thing. And then as she goes through it, she comes from tech. When you come from tech, a lot of things that are outside of tech feel like they're just antiquated. And you could, you feel like you're like a, uh, like you're a time traveler going back 50 years. And oh, if you could just show them a few things that just seem basic to you. Did she do that? Yeah, I mean, it's like Excel versus an abacus or something. Uh, yeah. So um, she brought those things into the school. Yeah. So she brought a lot of the tools in. And luckily, she had the tech background. So she was able to piecemeal certain things together. Uh, There's another company called Brightwheel um, that had recently, maybe a year before, two years before, been on Shark Tank. And so they were starting to get into the the child care center and preschool space. And so she was using that and looking at what they were doing. And while there were opportunities in their product, we ultimately saw that the, the larger portion of the child care market was actually in home. It wasn't center based. And so we felt like that was an underserved segment of the market and they were not incredibly tech savvy. And so, you know, they were really hacking things together in order to make their finances work. In fact, a lot of them still use pen and paper. And so we felt like we could create a tool for them that would help to make, their, make them more successful as a business operator. And again, like give them time to do things that they love. Like what? So marketing doesn't feel like it would be that big of a deal because frankly, there is such a demand. People will, will find it. No. They, yeah. So, I mean, they, you can, but I think it's more than that. I think what's most important is, is how you're showing off the school. And uh, a lot of them, you would think that even though there's this, this over demand or there's supply, um, 
and over demand, you would think that they would be able to find them, but a lot of them didn't even know how to market themselves. A lot of them weren't even putting themselves on, you know, Google My Business or Yelp or those things. They were putting up flyers inside their neighborhood. And so um, they just didn't have the technical skill set to be able to be as successful and at, keep their daycares at full capacity. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Okay. You know what? There are, I always thought that it would all be on LinkedIn because somebody would put it on LinkedIn. It turns out they're not. My friends went to a German school who knew that this existed that had six or seven kids in Noe Valley. The only way they knew about it is because someone else talked about it. And the only way we knew about it is because they talked about it. Um, all right. So I get where you're coming from. And so she sees all these possibilities and she says, we're going to, I got to create software for this. The two of you decide to partner up. Uh, we have one other co-founder too, our technical co-founder, Jesse Forrest. So Jesse at the time was the D director of engineering at Tradesy. Uh, okay. Tradesy is a high-end women's fashion marketplace. And so, uh, you know, Jesse, his mom, she was an underpaid educator and he grew up watching her struggle. And so like, you know, hearing this idea was something that really resonated with him. And, you know, while Jessica and I were talking about what this idea was, I had, I met Jesse because we played soccer together and him and I were meeting simultaneously on the other days of the weekend. And we were batting other ideas, just throwing everything against the wall, see what stuck. And ultimately, once Jessica and I kind of nailed down this market opportunity, then it made sense to bring Jesse in and introduce. And Jesse's an incredible technical co-founder. All right, I'm going to talk about my second sponsor, but I should say it's top tile for hiring developers. Your developers came from Tradesy, am I right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. because they all want to work with him, with your CTO. Wait, with yeah. uh, that's his title, right? CTO, or is that your CTO. title? That's his title, no, right? It's Jesse's. Yeah. All right, listen up, guys. If you don't have a CTO who can go back and, or just forget about going back, who has everyone who worked with him wanting to follow him wherever they go, you need to hire good developers. You need a way to bring them in. And that's where TopTal comes in. When you go to TopTal, that's top is on top of your head, Tal is in talent. They have already screened people. They have the reputation to bring the best people in their network. They test them. They vet them. They make sure they're really the best of the best developers. So when a company like mine or Matt's one day or yours decides that you want to hire new developers, just go to them. You talk to their people. You tell them what you're looking for, and they'll go into their network, and often they'll find somebody who's done the work. Like Matt, imagine you say, you know what? We need hardware. We want to have our own thermometer that's hardware that automatically will connect to the phone and through Bluetooth, send it in. They'll find somebody who's built that hardware, who's wow. done the work on it, and then or who's done the software for someone else's hardware. And they'll say, Matt, this is the person. They've done the work before. And now you can ask them questions about how they did it, what, what they could do for you. And you could get started if you're happy or move on if you're not. You're smiling. Well, that would take a lot off of my shoulders. Go to top, if you're out there, go to toptal.com slash Mixergy. Find the best of the best developers. And when you use that slash Mixergy at the end, what you're going to get is 80 hours of developer credit when you pay for your first 80 hours in addition to a no-risk trial period. So that's a huge win for you. All you have to do is go to toptal.com slash Mixergy, T-O-P-T-A-L.com slash M-I-X-E-R-G-Y. In the past, I've said people put it up online, let people know that this is available. TopTel has asked me really to stop spreading that out. So I'll say, if you want to share it with your friends, great. Please don't put it online anymore. Um, they're really not making that offer available everywhere. I thought that'd be great, Matt. I thought they'd be wonderful. They, they don't want the situation that you guys have with Honey, right? A lot of people who are with Honey, 
they want those discount codes out for people who are looking for it. TopTal says we don't need it. We got people coming in, Andrew. We just are trying to track how many are coming from you. Um, have you considered hardware, by the way? I'm, I'm, coming, I'm skipping a step here for a second. I want to come back to what you're up to with, um, with WeCare. But if Fever Free, have you considered having your own hardware? We've talked about it, but the whole ethos of Fever Free is trying to be device agnostic. So it really depends on like what markets we're trying to segment and, and focus on. So, you know, the in-person event space, there's a lot of things that we can do there. And the strategy right now is not to develop our own hardware. It's to partner with organizations that have the hardware and do what we do best. Hmm. All right. You start with WeCare. I'm guessing... You started with her uh, daycare center, with your co-founder's daycare center, and then you started creating software to market her or to manage her, her place? To manage the business. To both, manage it. It's a, it was a marketplace. So it was both manage and market. And so from a manage point, marketplace makes total sense, right? Frankly, mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Every time one of these people sent me a spreadsheet, I should have just gone over to some no-code site, created a marketplace for daycare, and stopped messing with the freaking spreadsheets. <laughs> but you have that. You did it. That seems like it's fairly straightforward, right, to, to have the marketplace. But the way to have, um, to have people in the marketplace who are engaged with the marketplace is to give them software, kind of like what open, um, what's it called? Open, uh, not open door, the uh, open table. Open table mm-hmm. does, right? They give the hardware, they give the software to the restaurants, and then they enable other people to, uh, customers to connect into it when they're trying to make a reservation. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what was your question? I guess uh, I'm thinking through your business. I'm excited about your business, Matt. Um, I'm guessing what you did was you offered them some, mat- what's the management software, the management layer that brought daycare programs onto your platform and, and then brought the marketplace to life? What was it that you did at first? So the original place that we started with WeCare was actually to help create new daycares. That's where we started. Help create Um, new daycares? Create new daycares. How? Yeah, because by helping them to go through the process of getting their license, being able to certify their home and open up as a daycare provider. Because really where this, the idea started was that there was an undersupply in the marketplace for childcare. And so we felt like by being able to help open up more daycares, we were expanding the marketplace and being able to make it more affordable uh, for, for parents. And so by doing that, what it allowed us to do from a product development standpoint is there's about a three-month period of time before uh, while a daycare provider can get their license once they submit. And so we had this very linear process of building out each of the tools that were necessary to service that daycare provider during the three-month period of time. So originally what we started with was creating a website so that we could market them. Then after that, we built the billing system. After that, we started building the the tour management system. Uh, And so there was a very linear process towards what does the daycare Ah. provider need and what are we building? Oh, wow. And so how did you find people who wanted to open up daycares? That seems pretty hard. Yeah. I mean, so it was a lot of listing on job sites, those sort of things, um, uh, finding teachers. But the truth is, is that there's so many incredible teachers out there that are underpaid. And so 
our business gave them an opportunity to be able to 3x their income that they would at a preschool. So there was a strong motive for them to get into uh, starting their own business. And we, with our tool set, eliminated a lot of the risk of starting a business. Wow. Okay. So you, you found them, you helped them get people to take tours, the application process, the payment process, everything that they needed as they built their business, you started working on. Got it. Wow. No, now I can't read your smile. What, what are you smiling about? You picked up on some, or I'm not picking up on what is a mate. What, what did you do? Well, so, you know, we focused on that path because we didn't have a tool set that was full featured enough to be able to offer a solution to the current daycare providers. They were using different tools and piecemealing those tools in order to make everything work. So once we got to that full featured status, then we really switched our focus from starting new daycares to focusing on the existing daycare market. We kind of, we used to say that it was like our Uber black cars, which helped us get into an area. And then we could leverage the data around that area to then start new daycares and be smarter about where and how we were starting them to make sure that they were operating uh, at a financially efficient way. Okay. And then to get into a new market today, what is, what's involved in that? Uh, there's, there's some secret sauce there, but, uh, it involves a a lot of connecting with the existing market. Um, you know, uh, letting them know what the offering is and creating a seamless process for them to be able to go on and test out the tool for themselves. We care is, is free for our providers, our, uh, what we, we take a 10% revenue when we find them a child for their daycare. So all of our interests are aligned. So I I think, you know, it's a process of like how we go and do outreach uh, to then how we onboard them and making that process seamless and easy. And then also just the support that our team provides for them. All right. I should say, by the way, this is, we care as in like little we W E E not as in we work. All right. And so Jessica, I guess, has family near Wuhan. Am I right? She does. And so she started to watch what was happening in China and she had a hint about what's coming, right? Yeah. I mean, because her family was there, she's pretty in tune with when the pandemic was hitting, what was, what was happening. And, um, you know, we were also focused on, well, if this comes over to the United States, there could be a pretty substantial impact on our business. And one of the big things that they were focusing on was doing fever checks. Um, Before you walked in anywhere, they would take your temperature. Mm -hmm. And so we felt like at that time, you know, everyone was sending a a pamphlet or a letter about the best practices to wash your hands or disinfect things. And while that's that's valuable, we wanted to do more. We knew that we had the technology to be able to do more. And one of our team members was, said, well, what if we used our video feature to allow the daycare providers and the families to show us what their temperature is so that we can prove that everyone is healthy before they actually come and interact with each other. And I also want to say that I know that that is not a foolproof method of of health. You can be sick even if you don't have a fever, but it is a leading indicator and it was what we could do to help. And um, we felt like it was the best option um, to, to help keep our daycares, our network safe. 
Is it a leading indicator? Don't people get sick and then they get a fever? And a lot of people don't have fevers at all? It's true. It can be, yes. But um, we had to do what, what we were able to at the time. And that was our solution. Yeah, I see we're being asked now for fever checks everywhere. A lot of people are using those guns on the forehead. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we got the kind that you swipe on the forehead. So it's, it's fairly quick to do. I guess it's one of those things that doesn't hurt, picks up on some, but doesn't completely eliminate risk, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, but I mean, outside of uh, constant daily COVID testing, there's not, there's no foolproof plan. And so this is something that does help. And a lot of people don't even know when they have a fever. They may just think well, that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not quite feeling well, but they don't understand. And so that's been a lot of the feedback too for people who have not received clearance status when using our product is, oh, I didn't even realize I had a fever. I guess I would also, I might know if I had a fever, maybe not, I don't know, but I definitely wouldn't know if my kid did. Sometimes they're just feeling down, you know, they're exhausted, right. they're whatever, right? Take a temperature check and you, you get it. All right, so you saw that and you said, we need something more than pamphlets. You used your app. And within the app, you had a way of getting data directly or, or video directly to you. Why'd you build that? Why'd you build a way to get video directly to your company, to WeCare? Well, so we already, we, we basically were just uh, making tweaks to the technology that already existed in, in the app. The app allowed daycare providers to take moments or show what the, mm. the children were doing at the daycare during the day so that parents felt like they were connected to what was going on and they could see what the child was learning. And so it was a very short leap in the tech to be able to then have a video that gets sent to us rather Got that it. we can look at and make okay. sure that they were fever free. All right. And so that started working for you. At what point did you realize we could spin this out? It should be its own thing. Yeah, so uh, we started, we, we actually got a contract with LA City and we were helping them to place uh, the essential workers, place their children into childcare centers um, so that they could stay at work. And one of the biggest things that was important to them was the fact that we had this tool that made sure that, their, that, their, uh, that the daycares were healthy before bringing everyone together. The worst thing that you could do is have an essential worker, someone who works at a hospital, getting sick because their child went to mm -hmm. daycare and then brought sickness to them, or vice versa. And so the technology that we had enabled us to establish these, these partnerships. Um, and so that ultimately led to then those organizations saying, hey, can we use this for our business? For, their, for the essential workers. So it started out for with, the help us get... Uh, daycare for the essential workers' kids. And then yeah. when they saw what you were doing for their kids to keep their kids from spreading the virus, they said, can you give it to all of our people? Yeah. Can we use this app for our people? And so that's really where this, this, this happened organically. We, you know, we had a few customers who wanted to use this product before the product was even built and released. Wow. We, and so then you, you had how many users then because of LA, LA City? On the, the fever free app? Yeah. Oh, it was very few at the time. It okay. was only like one or two that came of those businesses that said they'd be willing to pay. But also at the same time, our business had been impacted by COVID. Parents were, I mean, we were 
we were on track to be raising series a <clears throat> right when COVID hit. And so we needed to do things to make sure that we were able to, to continue to, to show growth. And so this was an opportunity for us um, to leverage the technology that we had already built and enhance it and be able to make another product line that also helped the world in a really beneficial way. Wow. So this is just an amazing recovery. As I do these interviews with entrepreneurs who ended up doing better because of COVID, I'm just so inspired and overwhelmed by what's possible. Are you doing better now because of COVID or after COVID than you were before? Yeah, I, you are. Yes, wow. It, had, it, is, it has started to build up for sure. And fever free has really taken off. And so are you seeing schools, are kids now going back to school? It feels like it here in San Francisco, they are. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, the business is picking back up. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we are working with uh, a ton of different schools, school districts, uh, child care centers, he uh, health care organizations or, or hospitals to make sure that they're keeping safe and, and healthy before they get in. Overall, would you say that school attendance is down from last year or is it back to normal? No, it's definitely not back to normal. Not. I mean, e wow. even the even the schools, a lot of the schools that we're working with, they have a phased approach to opening. Um, so they'll start with a you know small number of kids, or they'll do alternating days of yeah. learning. So, but each each city, each state, each town, each district, everything has their own regulations, and that's one of the hardest things is being able to keep track with everything that they're being required to do. And so that's one of the benefits of our technology is that we're able to, to be able to quickly iterate when someone needs some additional layer of tooling, whether that be, oh, we need to be able to log attendance when someone not only takes a health check, but physically arrives on premises, we were able to iterate and create that tool. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, you know what? One of our kids' school is doing that used to be able to pick up your kid whenever you wanted. And then all the kids would be dismissed at the same time. Now you have to be, you have to tell them and get permission to pick up your kid in the middle of the day. And each grade is let out at a different time and they have mm -hmm. to figure out a way to manage that. And of course they're doing it with paper and pencil, but it seems like if that's a need, you guys can start setting that up and stagger. Uh, Staggered arrival, and, arrival times. Yeah. That is, that is on the roadmap. Wow, you've overwhelmed at this point, considering how many things you have to get done. I know at one point, uh, Apple and Google both said, hey, nothing COVID related is allowed in our app store. So you're constantly getting getting uh, curveballs thrown at you and you got limited resources. How are you dealing with all this? Got to keep first things first. Um, we need to focus on what's most important for the business. And, um, you know, that's driving that revenue right now. And so our, our decision-making criteria has changed a little bit from before. Um, you know, a, a lot of the things that we were building before, we would invest s some in net revenue generating uh, opportunities and then others in value creation opportunities for our providers. And so it's really shifted the priorities. And so, you know, our product development meetings and our roadmap planning meetings, those are, those are hard, you know, because things are constantly changing. Priorities can change literally on in, in a, in a moment's notice. Yeah. And so that is, it's, it's difficult, but 
I think one of the things that our team does really well is thrives in complex environments and is able to handle a lot of things. In fact, I think we work better when we have more things going on than when we have less. You know, we, we, we tend to take too much time to think about what is the right way or the perfect <laughs> way to do something. And now we're forced to make decisions quickly, pull the trigger and, and learn. And I think that's one of the most important parts or things about being an entrepreneur. It's like the, the person who's most successful is the one who can learn the quickest. Well, I just see so much possibility for you. I feel like the, the standard we care business is already just phenomenal. That it's, I didn't get to use it for myself. I mean, from what I've seen, it's well done. But as a person who struggled to find proper daycare for his kid, I'm willing to put in the work for that. There's a lot I'm not willing to put the work for. I'm, I'm not willing to take the boxes out from Amazon deliveries. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm willing to put in the work for this. And God knows I couldn't freaking find anything. And all I had to deal with was bad, overly detailed spreadsheets. So that alone is a killer business. What you're doing here with Fever Free is a, is a step above. I could see so many things that you'd be able to, to grow into with that. There's no yeah. way that Regis should allow, there's no way. I'm, I work at a Regis office. Well, no, mm -hmm. I work at home. But there's no way that I would want them to fever check me every day and that they don't want to do that. And I'm paying them. So they're not going to say no to me. They're going to let me through. But imagine if they had this, if they said, look, just use the app. And if you have the app, we'll know if you're okay. Great. And you get some COVID tests and then I can show them my COVID test this way. Yeah. What are you going to say? Yeah. I mean, the way that we look at this is like similar to in 2011, how 9-11 changed the travel industry. Yeah. We view this as something that's changing how we think about health and, and the management of health. And so we think that there's a massive long-term potential for this. And even in, we had a fireside chat the other the other day and had a few of our nonprofits on, on board. And one of the things that they said was since using fever free, the overall sickness in their organizations has gone down. One of them was a teacher and she said, I, I used to get sick all the time. And now because of using this tool, general sickness has gone down for us. And so I think that this is something that is really going to be here to stay and has long-term potential to, to help eliminate, you know, not just COVID, but I've read an article the other day that, that said that there were more, that there were more viruses in the world, in, 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 on earth than there are stars out there. That was on the National Geographic. And so like, this pandemic is a microcosm of so many other things that can happen. And so that's really what we're looking at this as, is an opportunity to help change the way that we view, view sickness and keep everyone healthy long-term. Yeah. I think the, the comparison to 9-11 is a great one. Before 9-11, I had office space in Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan. You could just walk up to my floor. There are no cars. There's no nothing. Just go up there. 9-11 happens. Suddenly, they're starting to figure things out, and they have these guys stand at the door. They don't even know what to do yet, but eventually, we end up with computer systems where if somebody comes into my office now, they check with the office space upstairs to make sure they're allowed in, or better yet, I email beforehand, and so the person is automatically welcomed in. You can imagine this changing the way that we behave on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't, I don't yet know where, but it looks like you're well-positioned, Matt, but the more impressive thing for me as a business owner is to just see how fast you change, how fast you said, this is not working. What we built our business on, it's not going to work for a while. Let's see what else we can solve. What are the problems? All right. 
what's the best place for me to send people right now? Just wecare.co, right? Wecare.co if you're looking for childcare or feverfree.ai if you're looking to help keep your business safe and healthy. And it's available in the app stores too. And I guess the idea is businesses want to bring their people back, have your people install this app, get them to be, uh, get them to be checked before they come in. That's right. All right. I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you're hosting a website, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to hire the best of the best developers, challenge the people at TopTal to amaze you. If you go to toptal.com slash Mixergy, they'll give you a great offer that will make it worth your while to get started with them. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Andrew.